Welcome to the first episode of the new Simple Flying podcast. Launched just under two years ago, Simple Flying is the world's largest aviation news website. We cover all aspects of commercial aviation and publish over 150 stories every week. The idea behind our podcast is to give you a weekly roundup of the top aviation stories in conversation form. Everything discussed in our podcasts can be found in written form on simpleflying.com. We hope you enjoy it. Hello, my name is Joanna Bailey. I'm Tom Boone. And welcome to the Simple Flying podcast, where we will give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Now, let's get on with the show. Coming up in today's show, Air Italy suddenly closes its doors. Storm Kira brings delays and cancellations to the UK, but also some record-breaking flights. We also talk about the impact that the coronavirus is having on the world's airlines, and we'll take a look at David Nealman's new airline startup, Breeze. Finally, we'll discover why an ex-Virgin Atlantic Airbus A340 is in Nigeria, and we'll have some details on Qatar's good deed. So, let us begin. I think a great place to begin will be the breaking news at the time of recording this, that Air Italy is going to be suspending its operations as of the 26th of February and liquidating itself. Yeah, absolutely, Tom. Um, I mean, this is hot off the press right now, but uh, I'm sure it will be a few days old by the time this recording goes out. But it was a bit of a shock, really, wasn't it? Um, Yeah, I mean... I was, it had been in the press that they may be considering it, but I wasn't expecting, um, especially with the 49% ownership of Qatar Airways, I was not expecting um, the news that they would suspend operations. And it's a bit of an odd one because it seems like they are actually suspending operations immediately because in on their website, it says that the remainder of flights until the 26th of February will be operated at the scheduled time, but by different carriers. How are they going to organise that? <laughs> Not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was a bit of a shock. Um, I think it was only days before this announcement was made that Simple Flying had covered something around the, the lines of what on earth happened to Air Italy's massive expansion plans. Mm. Um, because when they started in 2018, there were um, visions of them having 50 aircraft and flying all over the world. Um, really by now or certainly by the end of this year, and it just hadn't happened. Um, To me, it feels a little bit as if Air Italy's leaders were hanging all their hopes on Alitalia folding, which Mm. clearly hasn't happened. Yet. (laughs) So Alitalia struggles on, um, Mm. and while we've been poised for years now, really, to to report the news that Alitalia has finally closed its doors, all of a sudden... With complete surprise, Air Italy's gone. Yeah, and it What's seems like... What's the impact for this on uh, on Italian aviation? Mm, and it seems like Qatar Airways um, wasn't behind the insolvency proceedings. The airline said in a statement that it was ready once again to play its part in supporting the growth of the airline, but that it would only have been possible with the commitment of all shareholders. Yeah. So what do you think is going on behind closed doors there? Well, it sounds like the majority shareholder who is um, 
I mean, it's it's Ali Sada by name with the umbrella AQA holding on top of it. But it, it's um, it's the Aga Khan basically is saying, I don't want to put any more money into this airline. Let's just stop. Let's just mm. not throw good money after bad and leave it to it now. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what the losses were for 2019 because they haven't actually been published yet. Um, and the the losses in 2018 were huge. You know, it was 164 yeah. million euros. Um, and that was, you know, it was about 60% of their overall revenue. So that was just insane, really, and far greater than any losses that Meridiana ever published. Um, so I should imagine that the accounts will be released now because it doesn't matter anymore. So mm. it's going to be interesting. I think a few of the Italian media pegged it at well over 200 million euros of losses. So, yeah, it will be interesting to see exactly how much money they did lose and, uh, you know, what comes out of it for Qatar, really. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. But while Air Italy has been busy creating a storm in the aviation world, it seems that um, Kira has been busy creating a storm in the weather world. Do you want to talk us through that? <laughs> Certainly has. Love the segue, Tom. Um, so Storm Kira, and apologies to our US listeners, this is quite a UK-focused topic, but it's been very windy, hasn't mm. it? <laughs> here in the UK, it's been super windy. We've been and here in having, Germany too. Really, right. We've been having up to 90 miles an hour gusts and heavy rain since Saturday, really. Um and before the storm kicked off, British Airways kind of stepped back and said, yeah, we'll cancel a few flights. So um, there were a few other airlines that cancelled flights, but many, many airlines tried to battle on through and, and mm. make their way to London and other airports. Um, and in particular at Gatwick, they had some major problems landing. Um, I mean, we, we wrote something up about A380s being diverted and there were there were two Emirates A380s that just couldn't get down. Um, one of them did two go-arounds and ended up in Zurich. Um, another one ended up in your neck of the woods, Tom, actually, yep. in Frankfurt. Um, there was a Qatar A380 that did two go-arounds as well. You know, if this wind is moving 450 tonnes of aircraft, that's you know, some serious stormage going on there. Mm. <laughs> um, British Airways and Latam also had their 777s diverted. So it's been insane. It's been a really crazy, crazy weekend for weather. Um, and it seems like um, the Emirates flight that went to Frankfurt wasn't over the whole of it when it decided to fly back to Manchester because it first popped up on... Um, the internet at around 9am, 10am local time, I think. It taxied around in a square and went back to the gate and oh. <laughs> didn't end up landing back in Manchester until 27 odd hours after it first attempted to land there. Oh so. my goodness. That's a long diversion for those passengers. Mm. Although it was interesting to see a Europe to Europe flight operated by Emirates. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. not every day that happens. With an A380, of course. Mm. Oh, well, that's that's interesting. But they've landed safely now in Manchester, I understand. Yeah, the passengers were in a hotel overnight in Frankfurt, then went on to Manchester, and the aircraft flew back to Dubai. I think it landed around midnight London time. And right. it's at the, t the last time I looked, which was about an hour ago, it's still on the ground there, so... Okay. 
no harm done then. Mm. What was interesting was um, with all these high winds coming in that were disrupting the flights coming sort of uh, westwards into the UK, um, there were actually some incredibly fast flights coming over from the US. Yes. Um, British Airways won the race, I understand, although mm. only just. It seems um, to be quite hotly contested in the comments <laughs> on our website. Absolutely. Um, so, as we understand it, and we're not taking sides here, um, British Airways flew a 747 um, and broke the speed record for, for a transatlantic flight. It actually arrived 80 minutes sooner than it should have done, um, clocking a time of four hours and 56 minutes. And some portions of the flight, I understand, were over 800 miles an hour in terms of ground speed. So, I mean, wow, that's fast. <laughs> Would have been a bit annoyed if you'd booked first class, though. And you were hoping for a nice big sleep, you would. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the contention comes in because Virgin apparently landed just one minute later. Um, so they did a transatlantic flight in four hours and 57 minutes. And then another Virgin Atlantic flight came in just two minutes later than that. And they mm. were also clocking up speeds of over 800 miles an hour in the sky. So, yeah, it was a pretty exciting race to watch, but um, apparently there is still some uh, some argument over the actual timings and who logged the right time and what have mm. you. So maybe there'll be a new record holder comes out of it once all the arguments have settled down. Exactly. We'll have to wait and see again. There's <laughs> a lot <laughs> of we'll have to wait and see. That seems to be my go-to catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did want to mention one thing that was quite interesting about the weather over the weekend. I don't know whether mm. you caught this, Tom, but... Um, the little Norwegian, Norway, Norwegian, uh, Vidaro, a little regional airline that works in Scandinavia, um, uh, they run mostly the Dash 8s, the, the Q400 Dash 8s, and uh, they couldn't take off any of their aircraft on um, yesterday because of an incredibly low pressure over the north of Norway. Um, and it wasn't because the airplanes couldn't fly. It was because their um, altimeters couldn't quite cope with the low oh, pressure. Okay. They couldn't be properly calibrated. So yeah. in the interests of safety, they grounded all their turboprops, which, you know, was crazy. But they're all back in the in the skies today. We've got bright sunshine here today in Cornwall. So uh, with any luck, I think we're over the worst of it. I think we're still trying to work out what weather we want here in Frankfurt because today outside the window I've seen sun, I've seen rain, I've seen snow, <laughs> I've had to put the lights on. <laughs> oh dear. So you were going to tell us about um, an interesting aircraft we spotted yes. this week. I was going to speak about Asman Air's new, new in inverted commas, um, Airbus A340, which was originally delivered to Virgin Atlantic many years ago um, and flew around the world many times. However, rather than getting retired when Virgin was done with it, it seems to have had a new life granted to it as it's been refitted and kind of repainted. Um, and it's now been delivered to the Nigerian airline Asman Air, but what I think is really interesting about this aircraft is the seating arrangement because it's got 411 economy seats in a comfy 242 layout. And right at the very front, there are two brown leather business class seats in the middle. Just two? Just two. <laughs> um, and 
Asmaneer hasn't actually um, released what they will do with the aircraft, to my knowledge. However, a lot of people have been suggesting that it will be used for uh, flights for Hajj and similar things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would be really interested to see how the booking of these two seats would go because surely if there's only two in a cabin of 413 they'd be incredibly popular i think they would absolutely um i did read something interesting actually about these uh, two front and center business class seats um it was actually a commenter on on another forum that um posted up the idea so uh, tip of the hat to whoever you are i've forgotten your name um but they suggested that these could actually be classed as class 3 crew rest areas under the FAA and EASA rules and that means that the airline can effectively extend the flight duty periods now if you're talking about a hajj flight as you you say that could be what they're planning to use the aircraft for um lagos to jeddah for example would be 5 maybe 5 and a half hours flying mm. time so to operate that flight and then turn the aircraft around and fly back again, it would really be pushing the crew duty limits, which in general is like 11 or 14 hours, I think. Um, but with these two rest seats in place, they'd be able to bump that up to 15 hours straight uh, and would make it a much more flexible aircraft for them. Mm. So although what will probably actually happen is they will sell those seats, <laughs> I think maybe they've been included as more of a technicality to enable mm. the flights they want to happen. But it's a crazy layout. It really is. And yeah. uh, anyone who's sitting there is going to feel so self-conscious, you know, front yeah. and centre in the cabin as well. <laughs> I mean, when I first saw Asmaneer's tweet on saying, we've got the new aircraft, I was like, no, two seats must be a typo. But then I saw the pictures <laughs> and there it is. Yeah, very odd. Very mm. odd. On the topic of um, new airline interiors, I believe that you had a different airline closer to the United States that you wanted to talk about. I did. So... Um, this week, we finally got confirmation of um, David Nealman's new startup airline and uh, a bit more information and juicy gossip on that. So we've been calling this airline Moxie for the longest time. Um, and there was some indication that the name might end up being Breeze, I think, just before Christmas. Mm. And now it's been made official. It is going to be called Breeze. Um the reason behind that is actually an interesting little story. So he did really want to continue with the name Moxie, and that was going to be the official airline name. Um, but actually, Marriott Hotel Group have their own brand, which is called Moxie, and they kicked up a fuss about this. So Neilerman had to think of something different to call his airline, and he's owned a company called Breeze Aviation Group for for years and years and thought well why not just call it simply breeze mm. um and the quote i had from him is uh, he thought that no one is ever against a nice cool breeze and uh, i think i'd agree with that it's a fairly uh, non-confrontational name um it, it kind of fits doesn't it i don't think yeah. it's bad um did you see the livery tom of the the mock-up they did i've seen a lot of people raving about it but personally it's not my cup of tea. <laughs> no, I think maybe Mr. Neilman got some uh, discount on a lot of blue paint. Cause, uh, Possibly. <laughs> it seems to be styled on blue, blue, and yet more blue. Mm. Um, but uh, 
It really reminded me of La Campagna, actually, um, in terms okay. of the light, light blue and, and dark blue combination. Um, so what else do we know about Breeze? Well, we know that it's going to obviously be a low-cost airline. I mean, why wouldn't it be with uh, Neilman at the helm? Um, it's going to serve unserved and underserved routes. So he's looking at digging out some routes from um, the back of his mind and research that nobody else is really competing on. And that's really interesting because you'd kind of think that the big carriers in the US and the, the low cost carriers as well would have this all sewn up by now. You know, they've got their number crunchers working overtime out there. Um, but no, he believes that there are routes that he can serve that nobody else is serving. And that will add value to what he is calling the world's nicest airline. Um, so we know it's going to be headquartered at Salt Lake, Salt Lake city. Um, and from the operator certificate filing, we, it did reveal that he's largely looking to serve destinations east of the Mississippi. So <laughs> if you're up on your US geography, I'm sure that uh, maybe would throw up a few names of places that could be on his list. He's being very tight lipped about this because obviously the airline's a little way away from officially launching and he doesn't want his competitors to get the jump on his bright ideas. So fair enough, really. Um, one of our writers suggested maybe Indiana, Ohio, North and South Carolina could be there on his target list. Um, these smaller destinations are likely going to be served by the E195s that are coming across from Azul. Um, all those aircraft, as far as I know, are going to be organised in all economy. So they will be a short haul kind of um, regional fleet for the airline. But of course, he's got this massive order for the incredibly exciting Airbus A220 as well. Now, what's he going to do with that is what I want to know. Um, there has been some talk about potentially putting in business class seats and maybe even live flat seats. Now, that to me doesn't scream regional US. That screams going a lot further. So it's going to be exciting to see how this plays out and what this airline becomes in the end. But uh, what, did you what do you think of it so far, Tom? Does it sound like it's going to uh, take off? Um, well, <laughs> if you'll pardon the pun, um, <laughs> I believe that... Um, I think it will, you know, because this is a guy who knows what he's doing. It's not like um, he's come out of the blue and been like, oh, I want to run an airline. He's got mm -hmm. plenty of experience um, with his previous endeavors. So he he knows what works and what doesn't. And um, I believe if he's identified this gap in the market, it must be there. So yeah. I do believe, um, especially with the amount of hype that it's had in the media as um it's been Sandubbers. very closely followed, hasn't yeah, it? I, you know, I, I it's not it's... just simple flying. It's uh, yeah. everyone's watching with bated breath to see mm. what he does next. It's uh, definitely one to watch. It is. And most of his businesses have been such a big success and, mm. you know, such a happy ending. So fingers crossed it's a similar story for the new and improved JetBlue 2, if we like. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, from... Breezy aviation in the US to worldwide devastation, I guess. Um, I'll leave you to introduce our rather downtown topic. Yeah, so um, I thought it was something that we should cover because it, it's a major story in the news at the moment is the ongoing coronavirus situation um, in mainly in China, but also ever so slightly branching out elsewhere. Um, the main effect it's had so far is that a number of carriers have suspended flights to China 
Um, most recently, I believe last night, British Airways extended their suspension of flights until the start of April, which means effectively two months with no flights to Shanghai or Beijing. Um, but that's not the only one. Other names in there are Virgin Atlantic, Air France, KLM. Mm-hmm. Um, all of the big players really have um, suspended flights. And in North America, you've got United to suspended flights, American Airlines, even to Hong Kong, which is um, more drastic than the steps taken by a lot of the European airlines. Um, and again, it's had impacts on people traveling to the US because they can only enter the, air, um, the country through seven airports, which means that yeah. a lot of them have had to be rebooked. Um, that's just travelers that have been to China within the last 14 days. So say you were in China last week and you were due to fly from, I don't know, uh, London to Miami this week. Um, you can't do that anymore. You've got to phone up your carrier and they've got to route you by some air, uh, airports such as New York or Los Angeles. Um, yeah. So I can understand why they're doing it because it allows them to target their resources much more effectively rather than spreading them thin. However, it does cause a lot of um, difficulty for travellers. Absolutely. And I think, you know, even from the Chinese carriers who we've seen desperately trying to maintain their route networks and desperately Mm. trying to keep going, they've had to pull back because even if the flights are there, people are just not wanting to travel at the moment. And you can kind of understand that, you know, it's a, it's a huge risk. And I was reading something today, there's almost a new type of flight shame, which isn't about your carbon footprint. It's about whether you're spreading infections. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, I think it's going to have an impact Regardless of how the coronavirus situation turns out, I think mm. it's going to have an impact and a lasting impact at that on global aviation. This this yeah. is unprecedented, really, isn't it? Well, I mean, just as an example, one of my friends uh, was flying from China to the UK last night with Tangent Airlines, I think. Um, they told me that they had a whole row to themselves on what I think was an A330. So wow. this is not bad. but <laughs> <laughs> Not very profitable for that yeah. airline, I guess. <laughs> I think the, um, the case is, though, that the Chinese Aviation Authority has said that Chinese carriers should continue operating um, on their international routes unless they're physically banned from doing so by, say, like the FAA or yeah. uh, the CAA. Yeah. Do you think we'll see action like that as we move forward? I mean, it depends how it plays out. You know, it's it's um, still quite well contained within China. Yeah. Um, so I can see them wanting to keep it contained in China. Um, the problem is if it starts spreading, because you can't just... I guess you can if it's really extreme, but it's uh, not practical to just say we're going to cut flights to this country and this country and that country and that country. Yeah. It's a tricky situation and uh, Mm. one that I don't think we've heard the end of and won't for quite some time. Mm. Um, I mean, some of these suspensions even now are are planned until the end of March or even later. So this is going to be a topic that we'll surely come back to in a future podcast as well. Yes. And even if they've said like April, it's completely possible that next week it's going to be May or June. So Yeah, absolutely. Mm. 
Well, there was one kind of cheery story that came out of the whole coronavirus issue. Maybe just to finish on, to leave our our poor listeners a little bit more happy with their day. (laughs) Um, So uh, Qatar has been offering to ship cargo of medical supplies for free to China, um, Mm. which is a lovely gesture. And it's under something they're calling the Green Channel. Um, We believe they're the first and only airline to do an initiative like this. Um, So the the initiative started in early February. They've delivered 100,000 N95 masks and 2,700 latex gloves on those first flights. They're also donating millions of masks themselves. So they're actually acquiring these products um, and putting their own money into it, which is great, um, as well as sanitization bottles and things like that to the areas of China that are most in need of these supplies. Um, They're also acting as kind of a hub for donations. So Chinese businesses and communities around the world are sending loads of um, supplies through to Qatar and then they're flying them out to China, all free of charge, which is really Mm. lovely. Um, I did say they're the first and only airline to do so, but FedEx was doing something similar. It's just whether you consider FedEx to be an airline (laughs) or just a cargo carrier. We could say um, passenger airline. Passenger (laughs) airline, yeah, that's the the differentiation. Um, So, yeah, FedEx have been also flying out masks and gloves and goggles and antibiotics and things like that from the USA. Um, So it's really good to see how some of the airlines are really pulling together. And then, of course, we've seen all those repatriation flights for the people that were stuck in in China and wanted to get home. So it's nice how the community is kind of working together to make it a little bit better. Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's nice to have these sort of good stories that come out of bad news because... Nobody likes bad news, do they? <laughs> no, we don't. But I think it's situations like this when mm. uh, humanity prevails and, and people do nice things for no reason. So yeah. that's always good to see. Well, I think that's it for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And we welcome any feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or you can find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye.